God's view on life is that life is about an experience of grace. Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. I'm Sarah Lawing, Director of Online Productions. We hope you'll enjoy this weekly resource. Today we gather to give our consideration to a passage of Scripture that comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 20th chapter, beginning with verse 25 and continuing through verse 28. But Jesus called them to Him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, for Your Word to us this day. Grant that we may have a mind and a heart and an attitude that is devoted to You and Your call to service in Your kingdom. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Most of the conversations that I have with people uh, revolve around family and, and work and uh, interest that we might have. Uh, also around, you know, current events. I think we've all been thinking about whether or not there will be a football season this year. I think most of us are hoping that there will be. The rankings out with Georgia as fourth in the preseason ranking, that's probably a source of conversation. So when we get together with one another, we often talk about those things. Uh, our families and our work and our interest and just things of current events in our culture. But every once in a while when we're in a conversation, somebody sort of drops a bomb in the conversation and they may ask a question that's a very important question, a serious and sobering question. For instance, someone may ask in the midst of a conversation, what is your view on life? And when that happens, it probably gets kind of quiet. And we don't know whether we want to tackle that issue. We want to answer that question or just leave that alone and try to move the conversation down uh, the road. We might respond in a, in a casual way and say, well, my view on life is that life is like a card game and you just play the hand you're dealt. Someone else might say, well, life is like a minefield and you just try to avoid all of the mines that you can. Life is like a puzzle. You try to put all the pieces together to get a clean picture of what life is about. Or life is like a roller coaster and you have ups and you have downs and you have twists and you have turns. Or Forrest Gump said life is like a box of chocolates. Sometimes people will say, what do you understand your purpose in life to be? And that's another very difficult question for us to answer. And, and so this week I went through some self-help gurus to identify their answers to that question. What is the purpose of life? And one of them said it is to be happy. 
One of them said it is to be your best self. And another one said it is to know what is really isn't. I'm not sure what that means. I'll have to give that some thought. But if, if I were going to ask those serious, important questions to someone and I could pick who that someone would be, well, I would pick Christ. I would want to ask Christ, Christ, what is the purpose of life? What's your view on life and what is my purpose in life? And in the 20th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, although he's not asked those questions, I do think he tells us the answer to those two questions. The chapter begins by Jesus saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. In other words, uh, my kingdom, heavenly living is like this. And he tells a parable. He said, a landowner sent the manager into the marketplace to hire workers to come and work in the vineyard on a particular day. So he went to the marketplace, he hired those workers, and they began to work in the vineyard. Not too long after, about 9 o'clock, he went back to the marketplace, and he sought out additional workers who were there, and he hired them, and they went into the vineyard. And then again at noon, he did the same thing, and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing, and then again at 5 o'clock, he did the same thing. At dark, they all gathered around, and the landowner told the manager, pay those who came to work at five o'clock first, which I find interesting because they were the last ones to work in the vineyard. And so the manager paid those at five o'clock and those at nine o'clock were looking at that thinking, oh good, we're probably going to get more than we thought we were going to receive because he paid them what he promised to pay us. When the group at nine found their way to the front of the line and the manager paid them, they were angry. And they said, we're the ones who worked out in the hot sun all day. We're the ones who, who did most of the work in the vineyard today. Why is it that you are paying us the same thing you are paying those who came last? And the manager said, it is my business... It is my decision to pay what I want to pay. Are you envious of my generosity? And they were. Because oftentimes, uh, grace brings up resentment. Uh, comparing us to each other is often something that lends itself to our competing with one another. But it's fascinating to me that grace at times leads to an attitude of resentment, and it did with those who went into the vineyard first. Penny and I have been watching a series recently on uh, Ulysses S. Grant. They called him Useless Grant when he was a child, and the name stuck for quite some time. At some point in his life, after West Point and an early stint in the army, he leaves the army. He's honorably discharged, but he really had washed out. He comes back home to be with his wife and his two children, and they are living in poverty. They have very little. The only property they have is what his father-in-law had given him. His father-in-law was a slave owner, but his father had always been an abolitionist. And so Grant is, is conflicted about all of this. 
the only way he can make any money at all is to chop down trees, to cut them into logs, and to sell them as firewood in the community. He, he's not an effective farmer. He washes out in the horse business. He just cannot seem to really uh, generate uh, an income to find himself a vocation. One day he, he brings the wood into the community and this one man who is his slave, who, who he does not enslave, he works in the field side by side this man, which, which causes resentment among the people in the community because that's not the proper place of a slave. He comes into the community with firewood. He sells the firewood. And then he and this slave walk over to this uh, area. And he says to this man sitting at a desk, he said, I want to free my slave. And he said, are you sure you want to do that? And Grant says, yes, I want to free my slave. And the man sitting at the desk says, Mr., you could sell that slave for a thousand dollars. Now, Grant is struggling to feed his family. His wife and his children uh, are living in great hardship. And he says, I want to free him. And the man says, you could get $1,000 for that man. And Grant says, I want to free him. Show me the papers. And so Grant signs the papers and the slave is free. And people resent his gracious act. Now, that man should never have been enslaved. We would all agree with that. But for Grant to live in abject poverty and to set that man free is a gracious act. I think we would all agree with that as well. And so, people resented the fact that he had been gracious. Sometimes, it can be that way. But Christ says... Life is an exercise. Life is an experience in generosity and in grace. That grace abounds in my kingdom and my vision on life, my view on life is that life is an experience of relationships that are characterized by grace. That we don't have to earn one another's friendship, that we care about one another in such a way that we are gracious to one another. And so whether, whether you work at nine or you go to work at five is not the issue. The issue is that God's view on life is that life is about an experience of grace. God models that in God's relationship with us, and we are to model that with one another. Now you fast forward to our passage this morning. Interestingly enough, He's told them this parable, and then they begin to travel, and the mother of James and John come to Jesus. she comes to Jesus, and she says to Him, when you enter into your kingdom, would you allow my sons to sit on your right hand and on your left? And he says to her, you don't really know what you are asking. The other ten disciples find out what James and John's mother has, has done, and they resent it. 
And so they began to argue among themselves. And then is when Jesus answers the question, what is the purpose of my life? My view on life is that grace abounds. That there is this generous exchange between my followers. That there is this extension of grace and unconditional love among my people. The purpose in life, he says, is this. If you wish to be successful, if you wish to be great, if you wish to fulfill your purpose in life, then that will be discovered in serving. If you would be great, you must be a servant. And so he reverses things in terms of how we normally understand success and greatness in this world. So the purpose of life is that life will be lived in humble service to God and to one another. When I was a, when I was a child, we would often play follow the leader. And, and someone would have the opportunity uh, to walk before the others, and we were instructed to follow them and to do exactly what they did. So if they walked this way, we followed them. If they walked across a creek, we would get our shoes wet along with them. If they climbed a tree, we would climb the tree. Whatever it was, when you followed the leader, you followed the leader. But every step on the journey was an act of trust and choice. We decided whether we would follow the leader. And if the leader was doing something that we determined was too dangerous, we were out. We did not trust the leader enough. We did not think the leader was responsible enough to perhaps climb onto the roof of their house. And so every step along the way, we exercised a certain trust in the leader and we made a choice as to whether or not we were going to follow that particular leader. And the same thing is true in our relationship with Christ. We decide whether or not we're going to trust Him each step along the way, and if we're going to make the choice to follow Him. Now, in this passage... He challenges us because when you raise the question with Jesus, what is the purpose of life? Jesus says the purpose of life is to serve, not to be served. Just as the purpose of my mission in ministry was to come to this world and to serve you, not to be served by you. And those who follow me, the expectation is they will emulate that. They will embody that in their own journey in life. What is the purpose of life? It is to serve, not to be served. So following the leader becomes the challenge of my life and in your life. I find it fascinating sometimes how we will hear things. We will come across a book or a newspaper or a magazine or a blog or whatever it is, and, and it will be as if we're experiencing some new knowledge. 
And oftentimes the principle of, of the article or the book or whatever it is might be a biblical principle that we have known for some time. In other words, the Wall Street Journal had an article uh, a few months ago and the title of the article was Rich, Healthy, and Miserable. And it said most people receive a raise and that raise, the joy of that raise, the happiness that's brought with that raise lasts about 30 days. And then it sort of fades and they're using the money, the extra money that's no longer extra, they're, they're using it up. And so there's, there's not anything really eternal about that. It doesn't have a lot of, of staying power. The article suggests that the people who get beyond rich, healthy, and miserable are the people who discover the value of service. The people who can selflessly serve others, the people who, who have the ability, the capacity to see value in offering themselves to others. Now, the Wall Street Journal uh, may be opening the eyes of some, but as a Christian, we have known that for years. Jesus has said, here to His disciples, if you want to be successful, uh, this is how this works. Be a servant. Be one who offers themselves to others. When we clutch on to things, we lose things. What is the domain of God in your life and in my life? Is God Lord of everything or just some things? Because I would suggest if God is not Lord of everything, then it begs the question, is God really Lord of anything? And so if, if God is Lord of my life, then the call upon my life is to serve my neighbor. That's where greatness is discovered. That's how greatness is defined, by serving my neighbor. Is it a momentary thing? Or is it a lifestyle? I remember years ago when I was attending the Citadel. I was a freshman and I went out for the baseball team. And I made the baseball team as a pitcher. And at some point in every practice, uh, the pitching coach would take three of the pitchers on the staff off to the side. 
and we each would have a mound we would throw from and a catcher who would catch, and we would throw and he would watch carefully and closely, and he would coach us while we were throwing. And I remember the day when I was throwing and he was observing and he was giving me some instruction and some guidance. And at one point he said, you are a success only at the moment when you perform successfully. You must do it again. You are a success only in the moment when you perform successfully. You must do it again. What was he saying to me? He was saying to me that success is, is something you must do over and over and over again because the only time you are a success is when you are performing successfully. So what he was saying to me in regard to pitching is simply this. You must focus and you must concentrate and your mechanics must be such that you can repeat what you're doing over and over and over and over again. Otherwise, you can only be successful in moments. And being successful as a pitcher is, is being able to duplicate pitching over and over and over again successfully. Sometimes we think we are a success because we succeeded from 9 to 10. But success is not understood that way. Service is not something that happens from time to time in our lives. Service is a lifestyle. And successfully serving is something that doesn't just happen 30 minutes of each day. It is a mindset. It is a heart set. It is an attitude that is based upon repeating service over and over and over again. It's not, I volunteered last week for 30 minutes and felt good about it. That's wonderful. What did you do in the next 30 minutes after you volunteered for those 30 minutes? Jesus is saying to us, you are successful at this when you are performing this act successfully. How do you view life? Do we go through life viewing it as something we earn, something we deserve? Do we sometimes feel resentment about grace in other people's lives? Do we sometimes compare ourselves to one another and create a kind of competitive experience with one another? Do we understand that the purpose of our lives is to serve? And it is not to serve from time to time.
It is to serve because that's who we are. It is to serve because we understand that's the purpose of life. If, if I was going to ask anybody's opinion first, I would choose Christ. And in this chapter, He tells us, here's my view on life. Life is about grace to each other. It is not about resenting someone else's experience of grace. Life is about recognizing and contributing to the abundance of grace in this world. And it is about understanding that grace must move us to serve. And when that happens, we find our purpose. We discover our reason uh, for being. And so, as we make our way into the days and the weeks ahead, let us be mindful. Let us pray and work that grace may abound. Let us pray and let us work that God would enable us to see where we might serve, where we might contribute. Let us live lives that are generous lives, that overflow with an abundance of God's grace. And let us share that with one another. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC. Oh, Lord, I'm again.